You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, lay back, and just listen. Or if you're on the, if you're on a bus and you're listening, that's cool too. You can only lay back as far as you can on a bus. Although I've seen people really make it their home. One thing we'll try to do is to give you a conversation that is less than fascinating, so that you can feel free to drift off no matter where you are. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will. Listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me in the studio, a dear friend, Tyler Murray. Thank you for coming to the Insomnia Project. Thank you very much for having me. So we know each other through theater. Yep. Because it seems like 90% of the guests I have on my podcast are (laughs) theater-based. But uh, I want to ask you this. Yeah. When you're cast in a show... Mm -hmm. And the script is delivered to you, yep. whether it be television or theater. Let's okay. say theater. Right. What's your process when you have the script before you're even in the room with the director and fellow actors? Well, step one is read it. Okay. I know that sounds facetious, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of people will go right to highlighting their lines. Right. Um, and focusing on the, the my stuff part of the script. Um, and I, you know... I, in my years of experience, yes. <laughs> uh, I've learned that uh, you, you need to see what the writer wanted to say first. Okay. Uh, yeah, figure out what the writer wanted to say first and try to, in that first reading, get a sense of, um, you know, the play as a whole, but also because uh, one can't help but focus on themselves or sure. what they're going to be doing in it. So try to see where you fit in that. Okay. Um, you know, I've been lucky to play big parts where I'm the lead and I've been uh, also lucky to to be a supporting character and mm. uh, to take a back seat to support the leads um, and just figuring out where you belong in that. When you say try to figure out what the writer is saying, yeah, what do you mean by that? How do you f- figure that out upon reading the text? Because it it sounds really impressive, but what does that actually mean? Well, I mean... Take, break that it, down for us. It can mean a lot of things, okay. right? Because in in essence, it's your interpretation of what the writer means. Fair? Very much. Okay. Very much, which is, uh, I guess, part of the collaboration, right? Sure. And then doing what the director wants you to do based okay. on what he or she interprets uh, the writer to be saying. But I, I try to figure out, um, you know, first of all, what the story is. Okay. 
and uh, where my place in the story is, you mm-hmm. know, be it lead or, you know, the supporting character or just fifth business who just has to get this point across or sure. whatever. Um, and then on the second or third reading, trying to see, like, I do a lot of, when I do theater, a lot of musical comedy. Yes. Or um, a lot of comedy. So the writer's not trying to change anyone's opinions on, you know, how to vote or save the planet. Right. Sometimes they are, but uh, in my recent theatrical experiences, right. that's not been the case. So um, uh, oftentimes, mostly in in my experiences, it's just been how do you scene by scene and then, uh, yeah, for, I'll just say, how do you scene by scene um, get the story across? And, you know, for comedy, it could be like, well, what's the joke? What's what's the writer, tr- how's the writer trying sure. to make the audience laugh and try to deliver it that way? I mean, it's it sounds bigger than it actually is, uh, for mostly for the stuff that I do. But... Okay, so let me ask you this. We were talking about you were in Les Mis. Yeah. What was the writer... Hugo in this case, right? Yeah, Victor Hugo. And then, and then, then the, the composers. Yeah, right. yeah. What were they trying to say, in your opinion? Um, and I'm pointing, I was pointing at uh, Tyler in a very aggressive manner. You, right, couldn't, yeah. you can't hear that, but yeah, so just to I, put the pressure on. I'm certainly not laying back and falling asleep <laughs> anyway. Uh, the, the, it's such a massive story. Sure. So um, there's a, it's a story about redemption mm-hmm. and revolution and uh, growing. And bread. Yep. The bread, importance of bread. bread is, you know, you can't. I think the people at Loblaws really needed to, uh, to hear the story about bread. You know how some people were stealing it. Um, uh, for it was, our international listeners, Loblaws is a chain of grocery stores here in Canada, and they had some, uh, some issues, or they were sued because they were overcharging for bread. And yeah. So, so that's that's a little bit of context so, there. Yeah. Then they sent everyone a twenty-five dollar gift card. As a sorry, I never got mine. Did you never get no, yours? I never. Got I still mine. have mine. Oh really? Yeah, we found it the other day, and I forgot to take it to the store. So but it doesn't go bad. I it, I looked at it and it expires in twenty twenty eight. Okay. What will you buy with that twenty dollar gift card that you got because of being? cheated by a grocery store on the price of bread. Well, we eat a lot of sandwiches. Okay. So I'll probably buy some bread. What constitutes a great sandwich for you? Oh, what are God. some ingredients you need in a good sandwich? Uh, warmth. Okay. I like my sandwich. You like a hot sandwich. I like my sandwich. Not hot, but warm. warm. Okay. Like the other day I made my son a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay. And he said to me, and he's kind of picky, like mm. things that he loves today, he might hate tomorrow. Sure. And he says, Daddy, you need to teach mom how to make a sandwich. I was like, it's peanut butter and jelly. What's, right. what's the difference? Um, but I I put it in the toaster on the bagel setting yes. for a few seconds, like yeah. for 10, 15 seconds, just to heat up the side that I put the, the peanut butter and the jelly on, then okay. I put them together. And apparently that's like some massive secret for my son. It sounds like your son's a gourmet. He is. He's yeah. a bit of a gourmet. Yeah. Me, I like... Uh, for my sandwiches, yeah. I like a lot of meat. Sure. Uh, I like a thick amount of cheese and mayo. Preferred cheese? Um, I like a... Or is it sandwich dependent? Sandwich dependent, but like I usually make a uh, chicken club sandwich. Okay. With like a, a lemon chicken, lemon and herbs. Yeah. And uh, for that, I like a, a nice flavorful cheddar. And just to come for full circle, your preferred bread? I was on ciabatta for a while. Okay. And now I like a Kaiser. Okay. And depending on the thickness of it, a yeah. baguette. Okay. So when you say depending on the thickness. 
my local bakery, mm. and I, I love to shop local. Yes. Uh, there's a Greek bakery near my place, and their their baguettes are really, really thin. Oh. So it's great to like just rip off a piece and and like you know dip it in like a stew or something like that. Mm. But it's not great for making a sandwich. Yeah. That's a that's a true French baguette from France. They make thin ones, right? Thin, long and pointy. On leave either. it, leave yeah. it to the Greeks to give you a true baguette from France. There you know, right? That's just it. But yeah. back to <laughs> our uh, examination of what you do in your process when mm-hmm. you get a script, right? Okay, so you've read it, you figured out what you believe the writer, he, sure. she, or they are trying Wait, to and, express, and that's an ever changing thing. Sure, yeah, sir. And and what's your next step? Uh, then I like to highlight my lines. Is there a particular color you like to use? I like a yellow. Why? Or a blue. Okay. Uh, just like because it's bright. I'm also quite colorblind, so a bright yellow highlighter, mm. there's it's hard to misinterpret okay. what that is. Um, I frequently do a lot of shows where I play multiple characters. Right. Um, and uh, so I like to use a different highlighter for each character. I was in a show where I played multiple characters. And one of my favorite characters in the whole play, and I looked forward to playing this person, had two lines. But I gave it (laughs) such depth, and I really liked what I did with my voice, and I would get good laughs on it. Yeah. And it was just my favorite. It had a whole... This character had a backstory. It had everything about it. And basically, it was a bad imitation of Harvey Feinstein. Was, was with, like, with the voice. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's what I did, right? right? And I just, I would look, f- and it was like the. What play was this? This was called um, uh, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play. Okay. Yeah. So it was a radio play version of, on yeah. on stage of It's a Wonderful Life. My, uh, about my one of my best friends does it every year oh, back in Cornwall. It's yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. It's such a wonderful festive holiday I only saw It's a Wonderful Life Mm -hmm. for the first time as an adult I I was in like my late 20s okay and I was sitting in my apartment and I was like oh I'll watch this sure and I cried my eyes out at the end just blubbered is there a play that makes you cry your eyes out A Christmas Carol oh really yeah and have you been in in that I've done a few productions of A Christmas Carol Um, I did a three person version of it okay uh it's funny. Back in, in 2006, I was in the production of uh, Lord of the Rings, the musical. That's right. And for anybody who is international, Toronto and London both did this production. It was a, At the time, it was a $30 million production. Which was huge. It was, it was the it, biggest yeah. stage production to ever. And uh, it, it didn't do as well as we'd hoped it would. Mm-hmm. Um, the reviewers were um, what they thought was, was fair and when we didn't because we'd spent so much time on it, yada, yada, yada. Sure. That's not the important part. But it was it was massive. There yes. was 55 people in the cast. There wow. was, I played nine different characters and battle scenes and the first preview was five hours long. We got it down to three hours and 45 minutes, right. which is still a night. Sure. You do that eight times a week and it's, yeah, it's exhausting, right? So I said after that, we closed in September, I believe. And I said to my agent, the next thing I do... I want it to be very story-driven. Okay. I don't care what it is. And they sent me uh, an audition for a three-person version of A Christmas Carol for a company here in Toronto called Smile Theatre, which tours um, seniors' homes. Cool. Uh, so your audiences can be um, bedridden and they're, and they're wheeled down and sure. to see this. And sometimes it's in lobbies and sometimes they have actual theatre performing spaces or cafeterias, cafetoriums. Um but and we traveled. There was three of us and a stage manager. And we traveled around, and it was storytelling at its at its 
uh, breaking down broken down to its um, its root. You know, it was just right. three people telling a story. One man played all the male characters, a girl played all the female characters, and I got to play Scrooge. And it was it was delightful. You know, there was some performances were were more difficult than others because you know people would be just getting up and leaving. I remember one lady saying, "Is this Scrooge? It's not very good." And like you could hear her right; she right. was five feet from me. So. Um, but that was great, and I talk about harsh critics, right? Seriously, right. yeah. Because Maybe she worked for the the papers, the Toronto yeah, papers. They, they <laughs> didn't; they had no caring left right. to give. So, sure. um, which was fine. And then uh, a few years later, I did a production at the Upper Canada Playhouse in Morrisburg, Ontario. Yes, and. Uh, I played multiple characters in that. Right. You know, there was a cast of maybe seven of us. So, um, and loved it. It's just such a, it's just a, the story of redemption or it's never too late to do the right thing. Right. Um, and to look back on your life and see the mistakes that you might have made. Sure. And, and the paths that you've taken. Uh, and I think it rings true for everybody. Yeah. And uh, so a few years ago, I was at Thanksgiving with my aunts. And my, you know, my entire family and my one aunt, my very Catholic family. We're covering all the holidays. I love it. I know, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm a recovering Catholic for the okay. visit. Yeah. But my, my aunt said, would you for Christmas time do um, a dramatic reading of A Christmas Carol? And I said, if I do this, I want to do it my way. Okay. And she said, okay, just tell us what day you're going to do it. And, you know, this great, big, old 150-year-old church. And oh, so this was for the community. For the community, I yeah. thought it was for your family at, at, at dinner. And I was no, like, no, no, no. What does this? What that would be weird, yeah. right? So, you're like, as long as I get to do it Yeah, as long as I get the attention, I don't care what <laughs> anyone says. But um, so it was for her church. And I said, I got the choir involved. Oh, wow. So if there was any group scenes, because you, you can't do a Christmas show without Christmas music. What's right. the point? So I got the choir involved. And I got my sister to do all the female, like she would read all the female parts. And my best friend... Uh, who's uh, back in Cornwall is a, uh, he's a drama teacher, but he was also, I mean, he he's very easily could have been a very, very successful professional actor. And he played all the male parts. Now I played the narrator in Scrooge. And then I got my nieces and nephews and my friend Jimmy's daughter to play these kids. So the, whole, the conceit of it was, and they got this, you know, this big comfortable chair and they put on the altar and I came out and I was going to read my nieces and nephews a story. Right. And as I read, the story came to life. Oh, Wow. And uh, then they would come in, like my nephew became the ghost of Christmas present and my other nephew was the ghost of Christmas future. And we had a piano player guy I went to high school with and he underscored a bunch of stuff. It was really nice. And, but working on that, because I had to adapt it to be uh, a 90 minute version that would be, so, it couldn't have been any more than 90 minutes because sure. an old church pew, if anyone's ever sat on those They're things. They're not comfortable. They are the furthest thing from right. comfortable. So... um but we got it involved, and it just made me fall in love with wow. the play even more. So, I mean, the the second production I did at the Upper Canada Playhouse, they're doing it again this Christmas coming. Okay. So uh, when I when we finish here today, I'm going to go and write uh, an email to the, the director, being like, "Hey, can I? Uh, can you? Would you be interested in me coming back and doing yeah. this? So yeah, because I love that show. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, What's yours? Oh. Okay, so I've never been in a production of this, nor have I ever seen it on stage. Well, okay, hang on. Uh, so I love Les Mis. Okay. And I saw it years ago when I was in high school, and I just fell in love with Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so for me, that's that's I, I could see that anytime it's playing, right. call me up, I'll go. Did, um, did, you, did you see me in it? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. 
did you do it here? Yeah, did it here in New York? Uh, when, what year? Because I, I feel like I wasn't in town when it was. I th- feel like I was away. I was on a cruise that ship. That was working. 2014, I Yeah, believe. I was working. No, 2013. On, yeah, I was working on a cruise ship. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was on a cruise ship because I remember being like, oh, if we go home, I really want to see it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, but Let's circle just, back to that because I want to hear what your experience on the cruise ship was. Oh, sure. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the sound of music and my dream would be to be... Uh, Baron Von Trapp in The Sound of Music, even though I don't sing and I don't right. have a great singing voice. He doesn't do much of right. that, so maybe I could fake it. Uh-huh. But that's one I, I would love to love to see. But Mervish um, did a production of that a few years ago. And I heard it was amazing. It was be, I, I really wasn't interested in seeing it because, right. you know, you see it 17 million times. Sure. Uh, I don't know when that became a Christmas movie, but it yeah. did. But um, but we got, I was doing Dirty Dancing at the time downtown. Right. And... Uh, they gave us tickets to the invited dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Invited dress. It was two thousand people were in the theater, but right. uh, and I sat in front of a bus full of nuns. Oh no! So that was wonderful. That's amazing. It was great. Right. And you know, I had a lot. Of, a lot of people I knew in it from the Toronto theater community, sure. and it was the most stunning oh. production. It was great. I'm so sad I didn't see it. I don't oh, even know really why good. I didn't see it. Well, you were probably on a cruise ship. No, not that time. Oh, okay. Well, it was a good excuse for the first one. No, but the, we yeah. were. I'm pretty certain that's when we were on the cruise ship. Hang on a second. 2013. No. No, that so Les Mis was 2013. That production of Sound of Music, I think, was... That would have been like 2009. I don't know. I don't know my dates. Now, okay. I'm, now, I'm, now I'm confused. We're going back anyways, to you were asking. Yeah. You were asking me a question. Your cruise ship experience. Oh, yes. Uh, which, which, which cruise line? It was uh, NCL, Norwegian Cruise Line. Uh-huh. And I was part of the Second City cast on the cruise ship. And nice. It was, it was fantastic. I was bored because we only worked like four hours a week. So a lot of it was kind of boring for us. Right. Yeah, but you, we got to go to all the ports. get a good ports. tan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I think I think I, I wasn't really tanning. I was trying to avoid the sun. But we, right. we got some color to us. And we uh, we got to see so many different ports. And it was really lovely. Where I did you go? We, went, we were based out of New York. So our port city was New York City. And then we did one route, which would take us to Bermuda. And then we did a fall foliage tour that took us through Canada and some of New England. And then we did a Bahamas, uh, like a short little jaunt to Bahamas. Those were our three tours, yeah. Did did you ever pay attention to the water? I find it fascinating because if, like New York, you would never, like if you fell in the water in New York or someone pushed you in the water off the dock, you would you'd go to the hospital because right. you'd like, what, what did I just get? Right. Like what's, what, what did I ingest? What, what bacteria kind of, sure. is, I'm, I'm filthy. Yeah. But on that same ship, you go to like the Bahamas yeah. and you're like, I can't wait to get into that water. Yeah. That's the most beautiful water in the world. Like did, did you, did, did that ever cross your mind when uh, you were? It's a great question. And it's funny because I, w- I, ordinarily I would say no, but Two water instances happened to us on the ship. So we would we would be going into Florida, I guess for Bahamas. We would be going um, into these channels, and it would be early in the morning. And I remember one one morning I woke up, and it was like five in the morning. I was just sitting out there as we as we started to cruise into Florida, and I would see these dolphins. Right. And I was like, wow. And so every time we were going into Florida, I would wake up early to watch the dolphins follow the boat. And because it was so early in the morning, like just before six is when we would really get in there and the light would just start coming up. No one was on the deck with me. So I would just sit 
or look over the side and just watch these dolphins follow the boat. And it was it was seeing animals like that in their natural habitat is just so impressive. And then another, especially when you're from like Ontario, yeah, where you know you're like, yeah. hey, a squirrel, look, exactly. a raccoon, exactly. Yeah. And uh, another time was we would we would, you know, me and my cast would be sitting on the on the deck and we and we'd be looking and. We'd often say, like, oh, I'd love to see whales and whatnot. And um, a good friend of mine, Michelle Miracle, would spot the whales in the distance all the time. So much so that we would say to her, you have a whale eye. She goes, I don't think I love the way that sounds, right? I'm like, (laughs) instead of an eagle eye, you have an even better eye. You can spot whales, like, way in the distance. You would just see uh, sprays from their blowholes, right? To this day... I, me and my wife use the term instead of you have an eagle eye or you have – like if you if we spot something or you find something right away, we'll just turn to each other and say, wow, you have a whale whale eye. So that's a, an expression that we've borrowed from from seeing different waters in, in, in our travels. That's fun. Yeah. I'm trying to make a joke with like seeing spray from the blowhole. Yeah. Just, yeah but. <laughs> maybe, maybe not for this podcast. Um, uh, what what about yourself? Like what were you doing on your cru- – and so, which cruise line? I was on Disney. Oh, OK. Um, it was great. I was – it was 2000 – Blah, blah, blah. I was 26. Okay. And uh, I was playing the lead in a new musical that they had commissioned for the twenty, or the 50th anniversary, sorry, okay. of Disneyland. So uh, that was going to be their kind of big deal. And then uh, I played smaller parts in some of the other shows. Sure. Um, but they wanted to feature me in the, in the one, so I didn't have to do as much. I was the Tarzan understudy. Okay. I, I think I was... Disney's Fat Tarzan. Okay. Because I went on once. It was, Is that how they um, bill you? Uh, they should have. <laughs> but like a loincloth, a wig, and like a really cool circus routine, which I I think I kind of did well. Amazing. But I mean, the guy who actually was Tarzan was like, he was jacked and he was beautiful. And and then I was, I mean, I was skinnier at the time. Sure. Like 30 pounds ago. Okay. But still did not have, I was not a shapely. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, they're waiting for Tarzan to come out. Then I came out and I swung out and they're like, oh, Okay. But anyway, then I did a cool routine. But I didn't get featured a whole lot. Okay. And whereas the rest of my cast, you know, oftentimes the actors will follow Mickey and, and Goofy around and Cinderella around as, the, you know, the people to stop the line when it, when their time is up and they have to go inside and um, just kind of crowd control. And I didn't have to do that. Right. And okay. I, I actually had a full day off. I oh, think I had Wednesdays off, right. which was beautiful. So um, – I had a wonderful time on the ship. I was on, I was on the ship for six months, I think. Wow! Yeah. And you would perform all but one day. Yeah the the first day we were on there, we would we were also the, the, they usually use the actors as the the captains of the lifeboats. Okay. So you get a captain and a co captain, and the cast goes around the the lifeboats. So I was the co captain of a lifeboat. So on the first day, you know, you get on the cruise ship, and then you have to go do the safety thing. Right. Um, and that usually took a half an hour and I have to dress all in my whites and because I was a, I don't know, a, like not, not, I wasn't an officer. I was a, uh, what's one step down from an officer? Oh, don't know. Something off. Anyway, uh, so long ago. But uh, and then we would do an opening show and I was in the opening show for 45 seconds. Oh, no. And my dressing room just upstairs from the theater was two flights down from, from the dressing room was my cabin. Okay. So it was kind of like go 45 seconds and go back down to my cabin. And then the other days, the the actual musicals that we were in, we were in we did three of it, three a day. Wow. So like Monday I did three shows, Tuesday three shows, Thursday three shows. Uh Friday was a different kind of a show, so I only did like 
one. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday for the closing show, I was in it for another five minutes maybe. Wow. So I had a great time. And then we had a couple specialty cruises. So right. they, like one time, they were like, it's two weeks. We have we need content. They threw in a murder mystery. So they got this a bunch of us to, to do a murder mystery. Amazing. And it was just, you know, it was fantastic. Wow. So well, we had different experiences because I would perform once a week for now. We would do, actually, I shouldn't say, we would perform one full show a week, which was, uh, or a cruise, uh, which was like an hour in length. And then we would do a 35, 40 minute set at the bar one night, just a little improv right. set just for fun. Right. And uh, that's all we To keep yourselves from going crazy. Yeah. No, yeah. That, was, that was scheduled. And then we would play board games or whatnot to keep right. ourselves yeah. from going crazy. I wanted to ask you this, and this is something that would be a great sort of tool for our listeners who might not be, you know, might be looking for other ways to keep themselves healthy. What do you do when you're in a show for six weeks in order not to get colds or to protect your voice that you're using or just to stay in optimum health so that you don't impact your the production you're in? Um well, the last production I was in, yes. I was out in Calgary doing a show for three months, and it was very vocally demanding on me. Sure. So I would I would have to spend the entire day without speaking. Oh, you would? So yeah. it was silent. And it was, it was okay. a lot drier out there as well. Sure. So um, I bought a steamer, and I mm-hmm. steamed my voice a few times a day, and then I would just not use my voice at all, my instrument, sure. if you will. Um, and I always hate it when people call that. But then when you're having vocal trouble, you really understand that, oh, it kind of is a thing that you need to protect. Right. right. Um, and then, you know, try to bark my way through it when it was really rough. But uh, I got through it, thankfully. Um, a lot of times if you go out of town, uh, theaters will have agreements. With, like this particular theater had an agreement with um, a gym, a YMCA in Calgary. Right. A beautiful YMCA oh, in Calgary. Nice. So, uh, you know, go work out for a couple hours a day. Mm-hmm get my sleep uh, because I was away from my family. There was sure. no excuse to not sleep, sleep in. Of course. I, I felt guilty every day right. that I would wake up late and I'd think of my wife and be like, oh my gosh, you're doing everything by yourself. I'm okay. so sorry. But then you had to do it, right? Right. Um, especially with a physically demanding show. People think, like, oh, you're only working for three hours a day or right. two hours a day. But for those three hours, you are going full tilt. Yeah, full force. Yeah. Know? So... Um, yeah, just try to stay as healthy as you can. Like, I would love to tell you that I eat well. Right. But I don't. Okay. But um, you do everything else. I have a, a portable humidifier uh-huh. that I take with me that basically you take a water bottle uh-huh. that you get in whatever location you have, and you flip it over and you put it into this little thing that will produce steam while you sleep. Right. So that you always have a well, the The place I was staying, uh, they provided me with a steamer there. Oh, great. And we put a steamer... My dressing roommate and I, uh, the theater had an extra steamer, so Wonderful. we put one of those in the dressing room, mm-hmm. and then we each had those portable steamers, like the face ones. Yes, because uh, he had, uh, he and I were both had uh, larger roles in the show. Sure. So we would sit there and we would steam through these things. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, Tyler, I have to say. This has been a wonderful conversation. I agree. About both bread and how you <laughs> approach your um, <laughs> scripts. Is it similar to how you approach scripts? Uh, how do I approach scripts? I I I read and highlight right. my parts as I go. Right uh, on the first read. On the first read, because right. th- then I I inevitably miss right. highlighting. So the second right. read, I'll I'll catch it. Right. But I won't read like I'll read it, just highlight the name, but I won't like delve into it. I'll just 
be doing that as I go. And then the second pass, I will like really delve into right. what's happening. Do you in write the notes in the margin and stuff like that? And... Director notes, mainly. Like right. if directors give me notes, I'll write in the margin. Otherwise, right. I try to just internalize what I want to do. Right. Yeah. Right. But there you go. That's, All right. well, and, and, and what about bread? Bread, I usually try to eat while eat bread while I'm reading the lines. Helps okay. me. But I will say this. I do like to walk around outside to learn lines. That's how I memorize this. So you get to be walking. the crazy person in the neighborhood? 100%. Yeah. Walking with a script, talking to myself, and just walking around. Right. How do you memorize? I have to go over and over you and just over. Go over. I stare in the mirror and go over it, and my son will come, and he'll be like, mm, that wasn't very good. I'm like, you have no idea what's going on in the play. He'll be like, mm, I know what I don't like. Nice. So. <laughs> Sounds like you're constantly surrounded by harsh critics. I don't know. I mean, if you're surrounded by harsh critics, then you're you're constantly striving to do better. Cause I it, like, I tell you one thing. Yeah. If I deliver a line or a joke and my kid goes, I like that, then it's, then you know, it's, you know, you other 2,000 people per night can go sit down because this guy liked it. This guy, print it. Yeah. Print it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us here. On thank you for having me. Insomnia Project. Uh, do you have a website where people can catch what you're doing? It's being rebuilt okay. right now, tylermurray.com, T-Y-L-E-R. Uh, they can look on our show. show oh, they us. can. Well, you can feel free to spell oh, it. Oh, just because but... I spell Murray, M-U-R-R-E-E. Okay. So just just of the to A-Y. be fancy? No, it's, it's, it goes back. The Murrays come from the Morays, and the Morays come from the Doofuses. Wow. You can look that up. All right, well, I, I, first, I don't doubt it. Yep. And second of all, I think that's cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so definitely go to tylermurray.com. Yeah, in a few weeks because it's being built. Well, right it'll now. probably uh, you know what it'll be done by now. And if you can't remember, just go to our show notes and there'll be a link. You can just click it and it'll take you there. Nice. Maybe you've seen Tyler in a show, and if you haven't, I strongly recommend you do. This episode of the Insomnia Project was recorded in Toronto, Canada, and as always, is produced by Drumcast Productions.